I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in, Christ, that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamon and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his hand, right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forever, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Lord, as we approach your holy scriptures, we pray that we could be like John and turn and see the voice of the one who is speaking. And like his gospel exhorts us that we would believe, Lord, 
believe in you for the first time, believe in you more deeply, but in believing, Lord, that we would have life in your name. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. Well, good evening on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday. And we are still in Easter, the great 50 days of Easter celebration. Easter is not over. Easter keeps going. Easter is never over. It is the great reality in which we live that Christ has been raised from death into life. The trick is remembering that and living into that. It's so easy to forget. And just as a way of beginning, I, I wanna draw your attention to a couple verses in our Psalm. Greater the deeds of the Lord, they are studied by all who delight in them. Our response to God's work is to study them, to understand them, to probably better meditate on them, to contemplate them, to put them before us and think through and pray through what God has done and to praise him for it. His work is full of majesty and splendor and his righteousness endures forever. Don't you want things in your life that have majesty and splendor? <laughs> There's so much in our life that doesn't have majesty and doesn't have splendor, quite the opposite. But the work of the Lord is full of majesty and splendor and all of that is concentrated, it's highly charged into the life of Jesus Christ, his incarnation, his ministry, his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, all of that bears our contemplation and especially the resurrection because it's the vindication of everything that came before it. The incarnation, his death, his burial, his resurrection vindicates that and shows that he is who he said he was. Verse four, he makes his marvelous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. When we meditate on those things that have majesty and splendor, we are reminded of the character of God, that he is gracious and compassionate. So that's what I hope to do today is just to look at these texts that we have before us and to draw out some of their majesty, some of their splendor, to put them before us so that we can remember who our God is and what he has done. I was put in mind of Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> um, because in the Christmas Carol, after he encounters the ghost of Christmas past and Christmas present and Christmas future and he wakes up and finds out it's Christmas day, his resolution is, I will remember that it is Christmas every day right? That's our resolution. I will remember that it is Easter every day. So in the spirit of Charles Dickens, I'm calling this sermon a tale of three Easters, <laughs> just to guide us through um, what are beautiful and dense and majestic um, stories and texts. So I want to start with Jesus's appearing to his disciples on that very day, that first resurrection Sunday. It says on the evening of that day, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. Why? Because the disciples were afraid. They've heard rumors mumbling. Some of them have even seen the empty tomb, but they still don't know what's going on and they're afraid. And Jesus comes to them. He comes in the midst of them. And what does he do? He says, hey guys, I've been out of the tomb for a while. Where, where you been? No, he doesn't reprove them. He doesn't speak a word of judgment. He doesn't speak a word of condemnation. He declares peace, peace be with you, shalom. The warfare has ended. The victory has been won. Peace be with you. They see him. One of the great understatements of the Bible, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus says it again, shalom. Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so Am I sending you? 
So Jesus comes from the victory of his resurrection, coming forth in triumph from that grave. And to his closest followers, he declares peace and says to them, I've got a job for you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. How did the Father send the Son? We need to know that if we're gonna know what it is that they were called to do and by extension, what we're called to do. Well, the Father sent the Son as a gift of love to redeem the world. God so loved that he gave. The Father sends the Son as an act of self-giving love. And he says to his disciples, these apostles, I'm sending you into the world as a gift of love. Peace has been declared, the battle is over, and I'm sending you into the world as a gift of love. And more than that, I'm going to empower you to do it. I'm not just leaving you, as he said early on, um, earlier on, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And in this moment, he breathes on them. Remember that, the, that Easter Sunday, Sunday is the first day of the week. We think of it as the eighth day, the first day of the new week of the new creation. And what Jesus does in breathing the Holy Spirit on his disciples is an act of new creation. He breathes the breath of God on them and they are animated with life. We are meant to think of Adam, God breathing his life into Adam and raising him up from the dust and giving him a vocation, a job, a mission, a task. Jesus is the Lord of new creation. He's the Lord of the resurrection and he is constituting a new people of the new creation and he breathes his life into them and he sends them out into the world and says, go. And in, in the way that Adam was given the task to fill the earth and subdue it, we are meant to be gifts of love to the world, declaring what? Peace. The battle's over. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Reconciliation is possible. We are to be heralds that the battle is over, that peace has been declared. And that, to proclaim that is to proclaim the love of God to the world. And that is that first Easter Sunday. The first day of the resurrection, Jesus comes in the midst of his disciples. He meets them in their fear. He declares his peace and he empowers them to go and be that peace to the world, to be the presence of his love in the world. One disciple was not there, Thomas. He's named the twin, but we call him something else. Thomas the doubter, or doubting Thomas. But Thomas is us. He's probably most like us, us modern people, of all the people in this story. Because he knows what every human does, whether they have the enlightenment or science or not, is that dead people stay dead. And if I don't see it with my own eyes, I'm not gonna believe it. And he, he's no rube. You're not gonna put one over on Thomas. I need to see it. I need to touch it. Unless I see his hands in the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand to his side, I will never believe. So what does Jesus do? He comes to Thomas and says, what do you got to say now? No, peace be with you, same thing. And then what does Jesus do? This is astonishing. He offers himself up for examination. 
put your finger here. Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I asked Jay earlier in the week whether he thought that Thomas actually did touch him. I don't know. Commentators are split on it. Um, The most famous portrait of this is a painting by Caravaggio. It's a very intimate picture where Thomas is is literally putting his finger inside of Jesus. It's a a beautiful painting and it it speaks to a reality, but I don't know if that's actually what happened. It's possible that Thomas, just on seeing the Lord and being offered the chance to examine him, makes his declaration. I think that's what happened is Jesus shows up, offers himself to be examined, and Thomas says what he says, which is so important. My Lord and my God. The Gospel of John is not shy about the fact that Jesus is God. From verse one, we know that the word is God and was with God and he was made flesh and he dwelt among us. And Jesus has said it in many, many ways by saying, I am, I am, I am using the name of God for himself. But this is the first full-throated confession of Jesus as God in the Gospel of John. My Lord and my God. Other people have said other things, but they've never said it in this, quite this clear way. Thomas encounters the living Christ, the risen one, and he says, my Lord and my God. And this is an Easter encounter. Depending on how you think of the accounting of the days, this could actually be the very next Sunday. So think of that. First Easter Sunday, he appears to disciples. Second Sunday, he appears to Thomas. That's why it's a tale of three Easter's. That's the second one, if you're keeping track. My Lord and my God, that confession, that confession is what we're meant to confess, which is what, how John summarizes his own gospel. Jesus did many signs. He did all kinds of things but I wrote these down for express purpose that you might believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is the Christ, the son of God, and that belief in him leads to the gift of life. Jesus says, I am resurrection, I am life. To believe is to receive him and to receive him is to receive life. And Thomas did it, he confessed it. And these men were then scattered into the world to go and proclaim this, to go and say, peace, the battle's over. You can be reconciled to God. To declare there is, that the world has a true Lord and a true God and his name is Jesus Christ and Israel's Messiah is now the world's king. That's the message that they were given to proclaim, to proclaim that Easter victory So Jesus comes to his disciples and meets them in the midst of their fear and offers them peace. Jesus comes to Thomas in the midst of his doubt and offers him the full examination of what he asked for. And then we have a last Easter encounter in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, we have John speaking and he says, I, John, your brother and partner, and the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the isle called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was exiled because I was doing the very thing that Jesus told us to do in that upper room. I went into the world to declare the peace of the Lord. 
to declare that the world had a new king and that his name was Jesus and that God had raised him from the dead. And now I am in exile on a tiny island called Patmos. I love that John just says, I'm your brother and your partner. He's an apostle, but he doesn't think of himself in these terms. He's being given this apocalypse, this vision. And he says, I'm just your brother and I'm your partner in ministry. And then what does he say? I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's Sunday. It's Easter day. That's resurrection day. And in those few words, we know that the world has shifted. We don't worship God on Jewish Sabbath anymore. We worship God on Sunday. Why? Because of the resurrection. And that's what John was doing. And even though he was exiled and probably alone, he was still worshiping this Lord, the risen one. And then something happens. We have this book, this very interesting book. I don't know if you've spent a lot of time in this book. Um, it can be confusing. It can throw you all sorts of curveballs. It's hard to know what it means sometimes. But sometimes it'll just tell you what it means, which is very interesting. <laughs> like give you 20 symbols and like, and this means that. And this is one of those instances. But the very first words of this uh, book are the revelation of Jesus Christ or the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. And here on Easter, in the season of Easter, I want us all to reclaim the meaning of apocalypse. Okay, this is not zombies. This is not killer viruses. This is not economic meltdown. And we all, you know, have guns and are gritty and still have nice clothes. I don't know how the apocalypse works on television. Apocalypse means unveiling. Apocalypse means this is how things are. This is, I'm gonna show you what's real, John. And when I show you what's real, John, I want you to write it down so that the people throughout the ages, the church, my church, my people, my bride will know what is, what is real. When Jesus, or when John sees Jesus, one of the things that Jesus says is, write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take the place after this. So we tend to think of Revelation primarily about the things that will be. It's all about the future. But Jesus is saying, no, this is about the things that are. This is reality now. I'm ruling and reigning now. I am the living one now. I hold the, key, the keys of Hades now. And my church will forget that. They'll go into exile like you're in exile. They'll forget, they'll buddy up with the world and forget that this is what is. What is, is that I rule and reign now. So John is worshiping, he's in the spirit on the Lord's day and he hears a voice. And I love this, it says he turned to see the voice. You can't, how do you see a voice? We're into this prophetic apocalyptic language and so rich uh, with symbolism and imagery. And the first thing he, that he sees is the seven golden lampstands, which this is one of those times where Revelation tells us what the seven golden lampstands are. They're the church, they're the churches, the seven churches. Completeness, seven, it's the church. So just ponder this for a moment. John turns to see the voice, to see Christ, and what does he see? He sees the church. He sees God's people, he sees God's body, he sees Christ's bride. 
See, this is a book about the revelation of who Christ is, but also a revelation of who the church is and who we are called to be. And where is Jesus? He's in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He's in the midst of the church. He's in the midst of his people, just like that first Easter Sunday when he appeared in the midst of his disciples, declared peace, breathed on them and sent them into the world. Even now, Jesus is in the midst of his people. Just, and he's dressed as a king, he's dressed as a priest. There's all this beautiful Old Testament imagery that's sort of densely packed into three verses. And you could spend a lot of time unpacking where John is pulling all of this from Leviticus and Ezekiel and Zechariah and all these places that John is bringing the whole testimony of the Hebrew scriptures to bear on who Jesus is. And in this moment, Jesus is prophet, he's priest, he's king. He's prophet because the word is coming out of his mouth like a sword. He's priest because he's in the tabernacle in the midst of the seven golden lampstands and he's king because he's the son of man. So all of the Old Testament expectation is is revealed in him. And what happens to John? John dies. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is a resurrection. John is, has a kind of resurrection in this moment because what, does, what happens next is that Jesus reaches out his right hand and touches him. And I love this because the last time in the verse it talked about his right hand, it was full of stars. And his star-filled hand reaches out to touch John and he is raised up. Fear not. Jesus preaches the gospel to him. This is why you don't have to be afraid. I'm the first and the last and the living one. Not the one who was alive, the living one, the one who is living and will be living forever. I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades your true enemies, the things that can really hurt you, I unlock those doors now because I have defeated them. Write, therefore, the things that you've seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. The apocalypse of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of who he truly is. And the seven golden lampstands, the church, the people of God called to proclaim this message to the world, called to proclaim the peace, the shalom that Christ has won in his victory, the knitting back together of things that have been torn apart. That's what shalom is. That's what peace is. Sent into the world as the Father sent the Son, sent as a gift of love to the world to proclaim that the church is the place where we encounter the living Christ. Because where is he? He's in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. This is the hardest maybe reality of everything that I've said, (laughs) is that it's the church where God reveals himself. Uh, Because sometimes that's hard to believe. Because we're the church. (laughs) Have you seen us? Have you met us? We're not so great at it sometimes. And you've been in other churches and you know that it can go sideways. You know that it can be totally the opposite of this. It's when we lose sight of that peace. It's when we lose sight of our mission 
The mission, what's the mission? As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. We are meant to be sent out into the world. We gather here, we worship the Lord. This is this charged space in worship and in the sacraments where God communicates his grace to us, his favor to us, his love to us. But then what do we pray every Sunday? Send us out with your blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit to witness to the world. After we hear from your word, after we eat from your table, what do we do? We go, we're sent as the Father has sent Jesus. I've been thinking about this quite a bit. I've had a few conversations in the past weeks uh, with people about church history. JD, I was talking to JD about church history. I'm gonna call you out. Um, and we were talking about how awful church history <laughs> is in many ways um, because church history is involved with people. But then we were talking about saints and saints are these people that God gifts to the church to remind us of who we really are and what we're really called to um, as a corrective, as a contradiction to all the wrong ways of doing things. Um, and I think that that's God's great hope for us is that we would be a holy people, a saintly people, a people who live into the peace that the resurrection has purchased us and who live out the reality that we are a gift of love to the world, not to hunker down, not to hide, but to, to go and to be a gift of love to the world. And we're gonna see a picture of that now as we move into baptism is that in this moment of baptism, there's a, a repudiation of the things that can tangle us up. We refuse the works of the world and the flesh and the devil, and we embrace the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the reality where we say, this is true. My Lord and my God, I wanna be immersed into that reality. I wanna be raised up out of the death of my own life and to walk in newness of life. And I wanna be sent out into the world. For those who are baptized, that's what it means for us, is that we've been incorporated into the life of God, immersed in the triune name, and sent out into the world to be a blessing to the world. So pay attention to that. Pay attention to the words that are prayed. Pay attention to the things that are said. Pay attention to the things that you're asked to say. Because it's a picture of Easter reality, resurrection reality. And it gives us a chance to try to keep Easter all the year as Scrooge try to keep Christmas all the year. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you um, for the apocalypse, the unveiling of who you really are. That you've shown us who you really are. That you've declared your peace for us that doubt, Lord, for many of us, you've shown yourselves and offered yourself to be examined. I pray especially for doubters, um, Thomas, our saint, who had questions and even in the midst of his questions, you met him. So Lord, we pray that you'd meet those who question in the midst of their questions. Um, but Lord, we pray that as we see baptism happen, that you would remind us of what you've done for us in our baptisms, that you've raised us to walk in newness of life and help us to live with Easter hope and Easter joy. In Jesus' name, amen.